today on the breakdown, I sort of can't even believe how normal it is now for in these cash games that we're doing hands on for these guys to have a hundred thousand dollars in front of them, like it's like it's a biscuit of of you know a, a flaky biscuit of some type or another with butter on it, perhaps. You know, like it's relatively common, is what I'm saying. But it is; it's become common. We're doing a hand involving Doug Polk, by the way, famous guy. You may have heard of him, Doug Polk. Uh, from the Texas uh, Card House, the Lodge, actually the Lodge. That's Doug Polk's place, and uh, and we're doing a hand with him and a guy named Josh. And yeah, that may sound commonplace, and the fact that, he, that Josh has ninety six thousand dollars in front of him may also seem commonplace, but this hand is nothing at all commonplace. <laughs> There's no place in this hand that's in any way common. This hand will will cook your noodle and then suck it down. <laughs> I don't mean it the way it sounded. I mean it, you know, just like it'll, it'll fry your brain. That's all I mean. I wasn't trying to go any further than that. But this this hand, this hand will confuse your brain cells, but not your brain itself. Yeah, that could have been a rhyme. All right, let's just get to the hand, man, on the breakdown. Great desert, I love I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. What? what? Nothing. That you was know, great. It was something. You laughed. Yeah, I was laughing. You laughed at the suck it down thing yeah, and yeah. the reaction to the suck it down thing. Because it was that. clearly like you didn't know what you were saying until you said it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That part was good. Thank you. Yeah, that's the best. That's when I'm at my best is when I don't know what's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it worked well. That's true for vomiting for me, too. If I, if I have a sense of what, what's coming back up, it's not, it's not as good as when I don't know. I'm like, where is this even coming? And then that's the better vomit. Same thing. Is it like by better vomit, you just mean less bad, or do you actually find vomiting sometimes to be good? I think it can be a positive experience when you're feeling really terrible, and then you vomit. And you feel good after. Mm, you're I think glad you're vomiting. The after part feels yeah. good, but the actual vomiting doesn't feel good. That's because you haven't done it enough. Okay, you're right. It's an acquired taste, okay. and I mean taste. Because the yeah, taste I, itself, actually, at some point, you start to it like turns it. Turns for you a little yeah. bit, yeah. And you're like, you're like, I don't need to brush my teeth after that one. Yeah, like I want to. I want this taste to linger. You know what a disgusting beginning to the podcast. <laughs> we did it, yeah. everybody. It's wonderful. We were great, and I'm proud of everyone. That's nice. Thanks. You hand out some participation trophies. Oh, that's what that's what we are now. Yeah, that's where we're going. Everything's a critique with you, a commentary. Sorry, Tucker Carlson. I don't have anything political to say here. I'm just here to talk about poker and make jokes. Grant. You nailed it. Yep. You really nailed that I one. I turned Grant down and sad. <laughs> <laughs> Is this podcast going to go okay? I don't know. Are you going to be able to keep stuff in your head about the hand when we're talking about the hand? Is, is it going to is it going to stick together? Is this what having a stroke is like? It's unclear. How would you know if you're having a stroke when you're having a stroke? You smell toast, right? Isn't that one of the yes. things? Yes. I smell more like like very light like either bad air freshener or like fart or something in there. It's different. Well, it it's is not is, toast. It is your apartment. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I don't have air freshener. I'll say that. Did you fart? No. Did okay. you? I don't think so. Maybe the cat did. You don't have a cat. No. I don't. Wait, do you um, think you have a cat? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> what so do you mean? This, this podcast is interesting because not only are we going to talk about a poker hand, but you get to witness the mental decline of Jonathan, and that'll be nice for you. I mean, there is going to be a PhD, a thesis, which clearly you know, lays out my decline, and it will be both on a local level, like one episode, but also on a macro level, I think, where you go back years and you can really see it all. Yeah. Happens slowly but surely. It's there. It's right. I mean, all all the evidence is there if you're willing to look for it. Right. It's like, it seems like LeBron hasn't le- lost a step, you know, but then you watch a highlight of him from 2006 right. and you're like, oh, shit. He yeah. used to be jump real high. It's really easy to forget, you know, because you're always caught up in the moment. You're watching Better Call Saul and you're like, Saul and Mike look kind of the same. And then you watch a clip from actual Breaking Bad and you're like, Saul and Mike do not look the same at all, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's just how it is. Yeah. Man. I, I still haven't watched all of season six, so no spoilers. Uh, no spoilers. I wanted to talk about it. But I got to say something about that show because it's a great show. I love yeah, that show. It's a great show. But it's, it's audacious. They somehow pull it off, but it is so audacious. For, for Saul, Saul's supposed to be younger version yes. of Bob Odenkirk from 
from Breaking Bad. So like that's like what five or six years after the role began is when Better Call Saul started, and that's supposed to be like a six or seven year younger version of Saul than we at saw in, that we than we first met at Break in Breaking Bad. Oh yeah, Bad. At the beginning. Yeah, um, yeah, at the beginning of Better Call Saul. Anyway, I think it's actually been so like twelve or thirteen years. So since I was he first kind of thinking it, about yeah. that last time I was watching an episode, and I was like, so in Breaking Bad when Saul's introduced, it oldest he's like forty. Maybe a bit younger, even. I don't know. Something like that. So Bob Odenkirk, at the beginning of Better Call Saul, is supposed to be like in his late 20s, early 30s or I mean, something. They have a few flashbacks when him and Kim are actually like uh, young associates, even. Yeah. You know? And like, so now they're supposed to be like 28 yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, but I think he's supposed to be like in his late 30s, early 40s, um, even at the beginning of most of Better Call Saul. So you're saying Saul's supposed to be 50 in Breaking Bad when we yes. meet him? Yeah. If you saw a picture... Oh, 50 and maybe... Well, it's hard, you know... When we meet him. It's hard. White guys all look the same. It's hard to know. Yeah. Of ages. I mean, I think they... He could be 45 easily. I don't think so. I think he could. I think he looks like a younger guy playing 45 in Better Call Saul. And now he looks... It's just... I think they're pulling it off because you just don't really think about it. The, and they, they decided not to make a thing out of it. Yeah. I actually read a thing with um, by one of the, the main guys behind it. And they were saying... They could have tried really hard to de-age these dudes, and they, there was a point where they were just like, let's not put a lot of energy into that. Let's put energy into other aspects of the show. Like, yes, if you clip it together, it's going to look weird. So be it. Like, let's not care about that. And you know what? As an audience member, I don't care about that, and I think it's fine. I don't either, but it just it crosses my mind at least once an episode. Oh, yeah, it's hard not to notice. I always think Bob Odenkirk looks a little old anyway compared to what he used to be just like... I, I mean, f- I feel like he's trying hard he's to... He's like about up. to turn 60 in real life. Is he that old? Yeah, and he's playing a 30-ish, 35-year-old person maybe in Better Call Saul. Maybe not by the end of Better Call Saul, but in season one. Oh, in season one, he's... Yeah, I don't know, something like that. Something yeah. Like that. And he was probably 55, 54 in real life at that time. Yeah, it's it's hard to say, but let's uh, let's say this. Say something. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Okay. So I can't say anything. All right, let's say nothing then. Okay, we're moving on. I got something to say, and I, I'm probably going to say it again later when we do the actual nitrogen ad. Okay. Uh, nitro betting ad, excuse me. But uh, I do want to talk about this for all of those who listen to the beginning and care about sports at all, because this is kind of a big deal. Uh, if you like the NFL at all. Nitro betting, as we always say in our ads, is doing like cool stuff for, for the people. We always talk about the monthly tournament, and we always refer to the promotions that they're going to do. Well, they got a whammy for you, and it's like it's better than usual. It's pretty cool. They're, yeah. they're putting up 50 millibits, which is, at the time of this recording, about $1,100, uh, as a free roll prize for an NFL survivor pool for just people who signed up using our link. Yeah. So like, I know this... It, this is kind of an ad, but it's also just like a PSA. Like, seriously, this is a really good it's deal. It's free money. It's, it's $1,100 free roll, and it's not going to be a huge pool of people that you're playing against. It's only the people who have signed up through the Poker Guys link. So it's still, you know, a decent amount of people, but it's not like the whole world can play this thing. Right. It's it's pretty good. Yeah. You just got to send us your nitrogen ID, right? Yeah. So you can either on Twitter or on Discord, if you're on Discord, send one of us individually. But on Twitter, um, we're the Poker Guys. You can DM us your nitro betting ID and you can get in the prize pool. You just got to do it before the end of August. And, cool. And you get in, in the survivor pool, which is of course where you pick teams to win each week and you can only pick each team once the entire season. So you have to be strategic about it. It's fun. And if you don't know how to do it, so what? It's a fun little way it's to do fine. it for free and you, you can actually win money. So yeah, there's no reason not to do it. I'll be doing it. Um, so I just want to bring that up before cool. I forget. Great. It's I'm glad you did. Worth talking about. I'm glad you did. Hey, I want to talk a little bit about the Hustler Casino and their reneging on their guarantee and then what they did about it. Okay. Let's so, do that. So they had a 250 guarantee. They actually had a se- um, series. But they had a 250 guarantee. 250K. 250K guarantee. Thank you. And they did not hit that guarantee, uh, which happens. And they, they then put out an announcement after all the day one flights were over saying that they were not going to honor the guarantee, and it said they were, players were just going to have to play for the prize pool, and they were canceling the guarantee. Um, so that, as you can imagine, met with a huge amount of backlash in the poker community. Right, because what, that's not a real guarantee then. Like right. The point of the guarantee is to attract players. That's a marketing tool. The marketing tool didn't work for you. That doesn't mean you should renege on what you said you would do. Because then what's the point of a guarantee? The whole point of the guarantee is like it's possible there'll be an overlay. Yeah. That's the whole point. It's not the only point, actually. You also know like you're playing for like a certain amount for first place. Right. Um, it protects the players from wasting their time. Right, exactly. So like now they're like, oh, actually, you are wasting your time. Yeah. So, so that happened. There was a huge backlash. On one level, I give them credit because it took less than 24 hours, I think, for them to do something about it. 
But here's what they did about it. They said everyone who's left in the uh, event is going to get a refund, and they're going to add $50,000 to another tournament. Now, that sounds like pretty good. Yeah. But there's 48 players left in this event, and it was a $350 buy-in. So if you think about it, that means you're talking like they're actually putting up like $16,000 of their own money into this event because the rest of the price pool is covered by the players who did not get refunds who are already out of this event. So it's cost them $16,000 for the price pool. That's not including the rake, by the way, which there is some. So it probably costs them less. Probably costs them like $14,000. And they're putting up $50K in this other thing. So it costs them $64,000 total. And that's supposed to like make it all okay. I got to say something. It does not in any way make it okay. I understand. It's better that they did this instead of nothing, and hopefully they've learned their lesson. But fuck them. This is not good enough. I mean, it's the the initial revoking of the guarantee is a, such a huge mistake. It's yes. a, it's a massive mistake. And I was talking to Jonathan before the podcast about this. How like I'm assuming there's a separate team that does Hustler Casino Live and does and run, and runs the poker yeah, room. Yeah, it must be very frustrating for the Hustler Casino Live team to be like, we are crushing it right now. Like we have taken over the poker streaming world, and you're giving us this bad press. Like people are going to associate this with us, obviously, right? There will be a few people who don't watch because of this. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I don't think I would ever play a tournament at Hustler Casino now, be, be, just because of this. Like any kind of real tournament. Like why would I do that? Like they like. They they got all this backlash and their their response wasn't okay. We're gonna put the, we're gonna reinstall the guarantee. We were that was a huge mistake. We're really sorry. It was we're gonna do something that makes it seem like it's not so bad, but actually it's gonna save us a lot of money still. Like no, reinstall the guarantee. That's what all these people signed up for. Like it's cool that it's a free roll that does mitigate it to some degree. But some people may have been playing this tournament only because first place is gonna be at least fifty thousand dollars or whatever, forty thousand dollars or whatever, and now it won't be. Like yeah that's not okay, man. Like, you promised something. Why? I don't know. And, and they're, it's not like they're broke. They're hustler casino. They're making money hand over fist. They could absolutely afford to do this. They're choosing not to. I think this is really still deserves massive score. And I hope, I don't think it's going to get it in the poker community because I think most people aren't going to do the math. Like, I had to look up to see how much the buy-in was. I assumed it was a 1K buy-in. So yeah. it's like, oh, there's 48 players left. They're putting like $48,000 into the pool. That's not bad. But then it turned out it was $350 buy-in, so it's $16,000, and then there's the rake, and it, the whole thing just feels like still slippery and slimy to me. I'm not okay with it, and I don't think anyone else should be either. I agree. Hopefully Hustler Casino Live doesn't hear this and, and not let us use their videos anymore. Well, I hope Hustler Casino hears this. Yeah. Hustler Casino Live, I hopefully, will let us continue to, to use their stuff. But they, whatever, they put, they put out good videos. They do great. They, Hustler Casino Live is fabulous. Yeah. Like, fabulous. We love it. Right. Um, and uh, it's like, this is just the world we live in, you know? It's not like they're the only mm. casino that does shady business practices of around course. these things. I don't know if you remember. I think it was the last time that you and I traveled for the World Series um, when the Hard Rock was having a series at the same time as everybody else. And there was this thing going on where there was like a group of hustlers, basically, who 20 to 30 people who would buy in at the super late reg, which hus- um, Hard Rock had like a really, really late, late reg. It was Planet Hollywood, but yeah. Planet Hollywood. Sorry, not Hard Rock. I was you know mixing up my Whatever. entertainment venues. Um, Planet Hollywood, that's right. Um, and so at the very end of Late Origin, then they would all pretend to like not have their ID and they'd like fumble around their pocket. And if you were just in line at the end, that means you were guaranteed a spot. That was part of the policy, which is why these people targeted this. So they would tinker around to the and pool, and it's assumed these people were all pooling their money to the point where it would get like within hands of the money. They would get like to hand for hand almost every time by the time most of these people were seated. And then they would almost be guaranteed to like make a profit by a, a couple people sneaking through, and then they kind of pooled their money. And it became pretty clear throughout the summer that Planet Hollywood was aware that this was happening. Well, it was happening every single turn. And they did nothing about it. It was the same guys. They'd always show up to, at the very end. They'd always not have their ID, like 20 dudes. Yeah. They'd go. They'd take forever. I mean, it was very clear that's what was happening, and they just allowed it to happen. Yeah, because it, it, it bolstered their prize pools. Yeah, I mean, it's really, really bad. Yeah. It really hurts the other players. Right. It's unfair. Which is, And that's not good because that's run by Caesars. That's the same group that runs the World Series of Poker. You know, they should know mm-hmm. better. They should know better than doing that. But the truth is, these are all businesses and they mostly just don't give a damn. That's the sad truth about all of this. Like, there's very few people who are actually, or poker rooms or whatever, who are going to do anything but care about the bottom line. It's, it's understandable, but it sucks. It's true, but I mean... You know, I'm not an experienced owner of business or anything. Like the business that I've started is this business. It's it's not yeah. it's not catering to customers who are buying things or anything. But 
it's it feels to me that in business there should be some good long term results of of creating like a fertile harvesting ground for your customers to want yes. to come back to because it's a good place to be. And that should have long-term effects of you having staying power and your profit should grow slowly over time through that instead of just trying to skin the cat in one go. Well, this is partially why I want to call attention to Hustler's supposed remedy not being good enough yeah. because I want it to hurt them and I want them to understand that they can't do it this way. They have to do better. And I think if the poker world, which, as again, as far as I can tell, no one is up in arms about this. As I look, as I look over Twitter today, um, I feel like this is something to absolutely be up in arms about still. And so I'm trying to call some attention to it. So yeah. that way they are afraid of the long term. First of all, there isn't a long term impact or they feel they're afraid of it enough that we can wield that as a hammer. And then they actually do what's right, which would be to reinstall the guarantee. That's yeah. the only right move here. Right. I mean... It, we live in a world where poker tournaments are more and more popular, so like it feels like a free roll for a lot of these venues to to have guarantees. I think because often they hit them it, that same summer with yeah. the Planet Hollywood stuff. It was like every day Planet Hollywood would tweet out overlay is going to happen, but they it always hit the guarantee. Yeah. They always hit it. Yeah. You know, it's, it feels like you're always going to make it. I mean, it doesn't always happen. The, um, Doug Polk tweeted out uh, yesterday about all this stuff that the lot had. Um, oh, they did have. They a cost big like miss. Six, they lost. They missed like. Uh, over the summer, like $650,000 worth of uh, guarantees total. And they just paid it all out, and that was that. That's what you got to do. Yeah. You guaranteed it. Yeah, and they are not a casino. They're only a card room. So right, that, so they're not making as much money. It's harder for them to make up. The, I'm sure they did fine. Yeah. So I'm not worried about them in any way. I'm sure they're doing great. But, like, it's not... Like, for Hustler Casino, let's say they take a $100,000 shortfall on this one tournament. That's, that's nothing. A, that's meaningless to them. Yeah. That, that's, that's, like, a few hours on a Wednesday. Like, it's nothing. So for them not to care, for them to care so little is really alarming. Yeah. Yeah, that's too bad. At least they did something. You know, they didn't just, they didn't just say, you know, fuck you guys. But the only reason why they did that is because they did the math and they think it's better for business to do something rather than not. Because they did basically the, the absolute minimum they could do. Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad. Yep. Anyway, we're, we're playing at the lodge here in this, in this hand that we're going to talk about. Okay. And they honor their guarantees so far. Hallelujah. Yeah. Good uh, job, Nimi, Polk, and Owen. Yeah, and, you know, the other silent partners. Yes. Who are definitely there. Um, this hand was suggested by Forgetting on Discord. Sure. Forgetting is the asker of the original question, uh, what is life? No, <laughs> no it, uh, Forgetting asked us the advice question about, like, what it was... Forgetting was having problems in their home game where they right. felt weird about winning a lot and I felt like everybody this. was having a bad time because they were winning. They started losing on purpose. Oh, yeah. Super strange. So this is Forgetting, I think. Situation. I think that was a great contribution that Forgetting made. Yeah. Um, this is, I think, the first hand that Forgetting has gotten through as a suggestion. So welcome to this world now. Congratulations, Forgetting. Uh, so you can be just like that and suggest on Discord. We have a suggest hands spot there. We also have a lot of other things to talk about. Food, shoot the shit, poker, of course, and all the hands that we do. Sports, movies. Yeah, those things. Use the link in the description to sign up for Discord. Or, of course, if you don't like the idea of that, which, you know, give it a try. You know, open your mind a little bit. But if you don't like that idea, use Twitter. Suggest a hand there. That'd be great, too. All right. So this is the cash game. It's deep stacked, as Jonathan said. Yeah. So, uh, oh, speaking of Discord, this hand is also going to be uh, done by Hyphenator, our new solver on GTO Plus. So we'll have solver work at the end. We haven't seen it yet. We'll come back and let you know what's going on with that. Right. It's a $100, $200, $400 cash game. The $400 is a straddle, uh, and we're deep. Doug Polk, deeper than most, with 195 k in his stack in the cutoff. But Josh, at 96 k still has almost 250 straddles in yeah. front of him. I mean, wow. We deep, man. Yeah. All right, so Doug Polk, 195 k he opens king seven of spades from the cutoff to 1,200. It's terrible. I hate it. He's the worst player in history. Grant, that's not right. You're wrong. Okay. King six of spades isn't open, and king seven of spades is not. Here's why. Oh, wait. I don't actually have anything. Yeah, yeah. we know you don't. Yeah. We but, all know. This is an obvious open. It's yep. great. Yeah. Doug makes it 1,200. Folds to Josh in the straddle. Josh, as Jonathan mentioned, has 96K. Josh has jack nine of hearts, and he calls. Is okay. there anything else to do here? Nur. I mean, I guess you can three-bet you're super deep. You want to mix it up a little bit, but you can't fold. For sure. We're, we're just mostly calling. Yeah. The pot's $2,700. Mm-hmm. The flop is deuce of spades, six of clubs, eight of hearts. So it's kind of an interesting flop for Josh's hand with the two back doors. That eight of hearts 
feels kind of cool. The six being with it helps a little bit, gives a few more backdoor opportunities to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it's it's worth a lead here some of the time with the Jack Nine of Hearts on the Deuce Six Eight? Eight of hearts oh, board. I do not hate a lead here. Uh, this kind of a board, specifically the eight high board, yeah, um, makes it better. Um, I'd love it if that deuce was a little more connected to the eight and the six, so we could threaten a little bit more stuff than we can threaten. That that deuce of spades is not much. There's not much we can threaten with that deuce of spades there. But it, it also doesn't hit Doug's range that much. No, that's great. But the but if the deuce was more like a five or even a four, it hits our range. That board hits our range even harder. Yeah, that's all. So I lo- so I prefer that. But this is still the kind of board we absolutely could lead on. And if not, if out. not leading, would you like to check raise this board with some frequency when you're this deep? Yes. Yeah. With the two back doors specifically and overs. Yeah. Yes. Some of the time. Yeah, I like that. Especially, I mean, we're of course talking against Doug Polk, not against your typical ABC one-two player necessarily, but in, in this spot, it feels like an aggressive action is is warranted some percentage of the time on this board with yep. Jack Nine of Hearts. Yeah, agreed. Um, Josh opts not to lead; he just checks. That's fine, obviously. Yeah. Should Doug C-bet here? He has two back doors. He's got an over card. I think a C-bet is okay, but he definitely should not be C-betting this, this board very much, even with this hand, I think. Because he's at a range disadvantage? He's clearly at a range disadvantage. He knows it. Doug Polk is trying to do GTO, right? Yes. Like, yes. at least most of the time. Um, so I, I'm not, I would expect him to check this board a lot, even with his two back doors, because he just can't rep very much. And so two back doors, just he's going to have too many hands if he's got two back doors, and that's his only criteria for betting, or better. You know, that's just like, it's too many hands. So he's going to have to check a lot of stuff. If you're going to bet some things on this board, if you're Doug. Now, maybe Doug mm-hmm. does, does a blanket board check on this. I'm not sure. It's probably yeah. not that bad of a board that he does that, though. He probably bets something. He probably bets a few things, yeah. What are the hands you're betting here? What are the types of hands you're betting that don't have showdown value? Oh, um, I think we're probably betting hands that, are, that have slightly worse uh, rank. So, like, the king high actually is going to win at showdown a fair amount. Okay. Um, so you're going to pick a worse hand than that. Like... I'm just thinking out loud here. Nine ten. Nine ten is pretty good. Um, we got overs. We got the gutter to the nuts. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Seven ten. Similarly, um, if you're suited and have the back door with it, that's even better. He's probably not opening it unsuited. Would be my guess. So. I agree. I agree. But it's still, you still have to have the back door. So with three it. quarters of the time. Yeah, yeah. So those those are those hands make more sense to me. And you can balance that with with maybe a few overpair bets and a few set bets. And sometimes you're gonna have eight six suited here. You could also have seven nine and five seven suited. Yep, yep. So there's so there's this, there's definitely some hands you can bet, but I think you just can't bet this board very much. And Doug knows it, and I would expect him to check a lot here. Yeah, reasonable. What do you think about? I'm not saying you should bet all of these, but what do you think about betting a hand like king queen suited with back doors, where you have like two overs that are very likely to be good, and it gives you a lot of options on the turn with the back doors? Um, I mean, I think that. King seven is probably slightly more attractive because I think we we make more hands that we'd want to bet on the turn. We'd want to continue with on the turn than we do with king queen. Like yeah. if we don't hit a king or a queen. Now we still have the same backdoor flush draw, but like we also with with the seven, we pick up a bunch of cards that make us straight draws, yeah. which we can then decide to continue with. So I'd rather have if I had to pick between the two, I'd actually rather have the king seven. I understand that the king or the queen is often good if we bet and get called for mm-hmm. sure. And against certain players, I think we can play straight exploitative and bet anyway because they're just going to fold a lot or fold to a lot of turn bets. Mm-hmm. But against better players or players who are very sticky, which there are a lot of sticky players. I hear in Texas, they're even stickier. Um, because of the humidity. Yes, and also they don't fold. Um, that like And all the uh, barbecue. You should probably just not, not get super crazy with all this stuff. So I think we would probably be checking back King-Queen suited too. Yeah. And probably even more so than King-7 is my guess. There's other factors in Texas too. Like what is your opponent eating and how big is their cowboy hat? You know, if it's like a really big cowboy hat, you probably don't want to see bet too much. And if they're eating uh, like a rib with a lot of sauce on it, if it's a really big rib, you probably don't want to bet too much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because yeah, that, no, that guy is not afraid. I really see what you're saying. Um, I mean, everyone's got a huge cowboy hat in Texas. Yeah, of course. It's the law. It's the law. Yeah. Greg Abbott signed it into law. All right. Um, Doug checks back. Yeah. Makes okay. sense. I like it. What else makes sense is nitro betting. You might have heard me talk about that earlier. We're going to talk about it a little bit more. Okay. I mean... That's part of the deal. Oh, yeah. We have to. Also, it's going to be great. It is. There's the NFL Survivor Pool that I mentioned earlier. There is the equivalent of, at the time of this recording, $1,100 in free money out there for just people who've used the link in our description to sign up, the link of the description of this podcast. Link in the description of this podcast. I mean, no one knows anymore. There's a podcast. There's a description. 
There's a link to Nitro Betting. Use that link. That'll get you access to this survivor pool. Okay. Which is, you know, an NFL survivor pool for this NFL season. And you have to send us your Nitro ID also so we know who you are, so we can put you... Because we have to give them a list yeah. of players. That's how it works. Right, which but is another barrier to entry, which means it'll be fewer players yeah. and it's a not just bigger everybody. chunk of that 1100 is your expected value. That's right. That's it's, right. A, it's a pretty damn fine deal for those who sign up. It really so, is. Uh, you can DM us on Twitter with your Nitro Betting ID, or you can DM us on Discord with your Nitro Betting ID, and we'll get you in that survivor pool. Just do it before the end of August. Yep. Uh, a little before. Like, you should, a honestly, days. you should do it right now, because you're going to forget, and you're going to cost yourself this opportunity. Don't, don't think, I'll do it in a week. You're not going to remember. Don't yeah. be an idiot. Do it now. You get in the remember. survivor pool. That, of course, if you sign up using that link, also grants you access to our monthly tournament and other promotions. I'm sure they'll do something yeah. for March Madness, you know, stuff like that. There's it's, clearly more coming. This is the stuff we always talk about. It's not just the Poker Guys tournament. There's other free money opportunities. Of course, they have... Casino games, sports betting, poker on Nitro betting. It's all great stuff. It's easy to sign up. It takes minutes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fun. You should get in there. Yes. All yes. right. The turn is the king of diamonds. Okay. Deuce of spades, six of clubs, eight of hearts, king of diamonds, full rainbow, and Doug makes top pair. Okay. It's a, it's just a nightmare card for the jack nine of hearts. Not that it's a big pot that Josh cares about, but, like, you're like, oh, I'm done with the hand now. Yeah, for sure. It's the king of diamonds. Josh checks. Yep. Doug checks back. Yeah. All right. What do you think about Doug's check back? Um, I feel like I understand it. Uh, he's got a, he's got top pair with no kicker, and it just appeared, right? So it wouldn't. It's like you want to have some top pair checkbacks, and you generally you generally pick your top pair of worst kickers to do that with, um, because you can't get called by a worst top pair, right? Very often, um, in this case, I guess. I mean, there are a few because it was the straddle who called. There's like king three suited and stuff like that. Um, but still, there's not very many, right? So, so I get it. Now, if you think your opponent is very sticky, I think we should bet because we're going to get called by eights and sixes and deuces and maybe, maybe other things. I right? mean, I think we're supposed to get called by those hands when we're yeah. a known pro and the king comes, which we can rep all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand the idea of, you know, you don't necessarily want to value yourself and you think you're going to get a lot of folds with hands that have zero equity against you. And if you check, you give them a chance to catch up. Um, and when you get called, you are sometimes losing. You're sometimes valuing yourself. These so, don't sound like GTO Doug Polk reasons, though. They do or they don't. Don't. Checking back uh, top pair bad kicker is totally a GTO thing. Well, 100%. There's obviously many elements of GTO, but we were talking a lot about board-based stuff on the flop. Yeah. So on the turn, this would be a uh, card that you would expect to bet a lot of the time from the aggressor. I mean, cool. That's, that's one aspect. And you would bet a bunch of your range, and you bet your good kings, and you'd bet other things and yeah. bluffs, but you don't, bet your, you don't necessarily bet your bad kings all the time. Because yeah. you want to be able to check back and still have some top pair in your range, and this is how you do it. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. And I think it's a totally fine play. Yeah. Um, it, feels, it feels exploitative. It feels a little bit exploitative. It probably is. Yeah. probably is. You would expect that uh, Josh would play an 8-6 reduce kind of exactly like this, though, right? Like, when the king comes, he's not going to bet the turn most no of the time. No chance. So we might be missing out on a little bit of value by checking back against those I hands. agree. We might be able to get two streets against an 8, and yeah. now we are getting our, we're generally only getting one street. Right. But we may think we may know that Josh is the kind of guy who's only going to call once with an eight anyway. And if we bet the turn and river, he's just going to fold. So now we give ourselves a chance for him to catch up and or bluff the river himself. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Anyway, check, check. Okay. River, check, check. river is the jack of clubs. Josh makes a pair of jacks. By the way, super exciting hand so far. We have a raise preflop, a call, and it's, we've had four checks, and now we're at the river. I can see why it's a breakdown hand. What are you, the most naive person in the world, man? No. Are you sure? How would the most naive person in the world know if they were the most naive person in the world? They can't. That's a good point. Ha <laughs> ha. That's a good point. You nailed Thanks. it. You nailed it. Yeah. But obviously, we don't break down hands that just check down. No. We don't. <laughs> no, we don't. Yeah. Interesting so, things happen. Yeah. All right. So the, the river is the jack of clubs. The yep. board now reads deuce of spades, six of clubs, eight of hearts, king of diamonds, jack of clubs. Josh has jack nine of hearts. Is it worth a value bet? I think it probably is. Like, we feel like we are... Getting, okay, if we check, every better hand's betting anyway. Like, jack 10 is probably betting if we check again, yeah. right? Trying to get value out of worse jacks and eights and sixes and deuces and ace highs and whatever else decides to call. Um, so I don't think we save money by checking, um, but by betting, unless, unless Doug is going to bluff, but Doug has shown no interest in bluffing. So, I, like, the king was a great chance to bluff. He chose not to. So it feels like Doug has something showdownable. I don't want to give him a chance to check back his medium showdownable hand here. Like, well, well if we Doug is actually trying to play fully GTO, he's going to have some non-showdownable checkbacks in the turn. Fair enough. Fair enough. But like a lot of showdownable stuff yeah. is going to be here, right? Yeah. 
That is true. But you're right. Of course, of course, he's not going to bet all his terrible stuff on the turn if he's playing GTO. Of course, he isn't. Now, if we if we weren't looking at this through the kaleidoscope of Doug Polk being like a GTO attempter, yeah, I I don't like a bet very much at all. If I think about it from a more traditional, like we're analyzing high stakes poker from 2004 perspective, because you would really have expected a deuce six or eight to bet the flop a lot of the time, and that's what you're targeting for value when you bet, right? What are you expecting to call you? I mean, Doug could have like pocket fives, but you think he's just betting all that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, ace high is the other thing because it's gone check check all the way through. Ace high is pretty much never calling this card on the river, right? Like, why? It's a pretty bad run out. I mean, we have no idea what our opponent has. Nothing's yeah. happened. Nothing's defined except he called a raise. He could have yeah. lots of stuff. I guess maybe straddle. If Doug were playing 2004 high stakes poker and. He probably would have bet ace high on the flop, first of all. But you know, well, he would have. He probably would have bet the turn though with his bluffs. Yeah, yeah. So, but the, with his ace high bluffs. But ace high might actually be much higher in his distribution because well, he would have bet any pair by now anyway. He also though he probably has some ace high checkbacks now. That I think about it on the turn because he thinks he can just check it down and win sometimes, and he is going to play some hands like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Josh does bet, and maybe he's sizing it to try to get called by ace high because he bets eight hundred and two point seven k. I don't hate this bet. I think this is fine. I think this is... See, I I tried to qualify it, but maybe it didn't get through. Okay. I think this is fine against Doug through the GTO lens, knowing that Doug has checkbacks that that are things you don't necessarily expect a traditional player to show up with. So who do you think it's bad against? Doyle Brunson in 2005. Okay, but... Fair enough. That was 17 years ago. Who, what, what kind of players these days do you think it's bad against? Like people may actually come up against. Like most recreational players. Okay. Because you think they're just going to bet their pairs they would have bet the weaker, on the turn. They would have bet the weaker hands that can call yeah. you by now. Okay. So they have to be very sticky with ace high on the yeah. river, essentially, to call, which isn't that many people. And this is like a pretty sloppy run out for ace high. The problem, of course, is... Like, if they check the turn, they're often just checking back the river, and we just win. And it's like, we can't, it's really hard to win any money. Yeah. So that's why you like, it's almost like, you might think it's like a free roll to bet. It isn't in this case, but it's often a free roll to bet. I guess they could have a better jack too. But, um, but a better jack is betting anyway, and we're calling. So whatever. Well, Josh bet 800 to 2.7K. That's so kind of cool. Right? Yeah. If, so if, it saves if, money. Yeah. Against the better jacks, it saves money. Yeah. So, so I don't hate this. Well, and I know you don't either. But, and I'm, again, I'm you're talking about against normal recreation. Yeah, this is players. not. This is against Doug, and I don't hate it against Doug either. But it's for different reasons. It's right. Because Doug can probably show up with an eight or a six some of the time and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I you think know? he absolutely can. Right. Um. So yeah, it's the, it can't be bad just to throw eight hundred at it and hope it works out. Basically, yeah, I'm totally fine with this. All right. Obviously, Doug's not going to just call, or else this wouldn't be a breakdown hand. Nope, it would be super uninteresting. So Doug folds, obviously. And, and it's like, what the hell? <laughs> Crazy. No, he doesn't fold. Although that would probably be a breakdown hand, too, actually. I, I think we would, super we would never be able to figure out what happened. <laughs> it would be impossible. Yeah. But that would be a breakdown hand. We would have done it already, probably. Mm. Um, Doug's going to race. Yep. This is what the kids call thin value. Indeed, sir. So I guess he's just doing this with any king he gets to the river with this way. I don't see any relevant blockers necessarily that make it a better raise than any other king, right? Nope. I agree. It seems very unlikely. I think he's doing this all kings. Yeah. So it's just like, I checked back the turn. This is, I'm getting my two streets here. Well, I checked back the turn and you bet tiny on the river. Yeah. Like if you bet a normal amount, if you bet half the pot, I bet Doug just calls, right? Yeah. But 800, he's like, oh, look who like doesn't have a very strong hand. Time to raise for value here. Like, I probably have some bluffs here where I attack this yep. because it's so small. I can raise for value, too, with top pair. Yeah. It makes sense. You have to be, be able to be called, of course, but and then, well, I think that happens in Texas. They call. I get the raises. sense just by Josh's demeanor and, and table presence that he's a pro. Uh, he looks like a pro to me. Yeah. Do you agree? No. He no. just. I mean, he's got a beard, and he, like, look, he has glasses. I mean, okay. That, I, don't, I don't know why he looks like a pro to you. Like, really. I mean, he doesn't look like a normal dude, but he just looks he like... He doesn't a, look like a normal dude. What does that mean? I mean, he looks... He doesn't look like your typical American, right? He looks like... He looks like a student. So that's maybe why you're saying it, but like... Maybe. If, but that's all. Like, I don't, I don't know why he has to be a pro. I mean, he has $96,000 in front of him. It wouldn't be shocking if he's a pro, but, but I don't think he looks like a pro. Anyway, okay. who cares? Anyway. Yeah, so the point being, I, I think, that, like... This is going to look fishy to a lot of people, which is advantageous for Doug, especially people who are thinking poker players, Absolutely. which I expect Josh is. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's like, this is definitely an expansion of the value range versus traditional value ranges. But like, if you're sitting there with Jack nine, you're like, what, 
what did you play this way? You have pocket jacks? I block that. Exactly. Yeah. Like, there's no other hand that I can really come up with that's strong enough to raise on the river that you got here with unless you somehow have King Jack check back the turn with King Jack, and there's, it seems unlike, and I block it. There's just not much here. Right. So. I mean, and, and Doug, as we know, could have checked back both of those hands probably. Maybe, yeah, but but still, we block that. And if, as we see, if Doug can raise any king here when we yeah. bet eight hundred, there's so much to attack if you want to attack it, right? Yeah. So, I guess if you're Josh and you smell something fishy here, is it better to think I should raise just in case, or should you just call and see if you win? Well, if we think Doug is expanding his value raise range to kings, all kings, I think we should absolutely raise and well, not just call. We have not yet decided if Josh thinks that. We don't know if Josh thinks that. We've just said, we know that Doug is because we know what he has, right? Right. As the poker guys. Well, but I'm saying like Josh is aware. You're, you're saying it looks like Doug is raising sometimes as a bluff here because he raises. Yeah. Um, look, if it isn't Doug, if it isn't someone who I think is capable of making this raise with Finn, then I think we should call. Yeah. I think if someone who's able to make the thin raise, though, because we bet 800 in the way this whole hand has played out so far, and they're really good, I think, I think we might get ourselves in trouble because they may be doing exactly what we see happening here. Because I think the Doug raise is not, makes sense to me. I get why he raises, you yeah. know, based on the way the hand played. So, so I like attacking that more, especially against a good player. Let's talk about Doug's raise a little bit more. Okay. Are you concerned at all about the kicker? Like, it seems like, uh, like Josh could have played... A lot of kings this way. Um, I think it's a fair question. I think uh, once in a while we're valuing ourselves here for yeah. sure. But, you know, we block kings. We don't block jacks. Yeah. He might have led a king. Rarely, He's almost never going to lead a king on the turn, actually. He's going to yeah. check call a king, right? Um, usually you think he'd probably bet more than 800 with a king is maybe what does, is part of what goes into maybe. it. Now, maybe. maybe he won't and maybe he will. I don't know um, how balanced he is with this $800 bet. Um, but oftentimes players are just going to go a little higher because they're targeting a jack now, right? Yeah. And um, versus Josh, who's targeting worse than his hand, worse than the jack nine, so he's going even smaller. It feels like. Yeah. Um, should you actually size yourself based on the range you're targeting only against certain opponents? Probably not Doug Pope. Probably not truth. Doug Pope. But still, that doesn't mean that isn't what Josh is doing. I don't know. I mean, he wouldn't be a pro yeah. though. I guess. So I think this is like significantly thin value. Is kind of my point. It's like, oh yeah, this is it's. If it's plus EV, it's close, right? Here's what I want to say about all this. Um, so I'm talking to friend of the podcast, Wonka, who's been on Poker Time many, many, many times. Um, he's a good friend. He plays at the Lodge and plays in all these Texas card rooms. Now he lives in Texas. And he told me recently, not talking about this hand, just in general, like you have to adjust to Texas because like people raise the river a lot um, with one pair. You have to, and bluffing a lot, there's a lot of bluffs. And you just have to call a lot, lot, lot more. Like, you just can't fold very much hmm. because there's so much of that. And, and so you, like, it takes a while to, to adjust, but then you learn, like, oh, top pairs, they hand, you just don't fold, even to a raise most of the time in a Texas cash game, which is like, wow, okay. Huh. All right. So I think that's probably informing some of this, too, from Doug's point of view. Like, all of the ranges just expand. Yeah. Basically. So, like, you just have to go for value with this base, when he bets 800 and based on the way it's played out is my guess. Okay. Well, so Doug does 3.2K yep. again. All right. Against Doug Polk, we probably can't fold this hand, right? <sighs> probably not. No. So the question becomes, is it better to three, better to call? Which we were slightly touching on before, but let's get yeah. deeper into it. I think I like a three bet better than a call because I think we have the stronger range than Doug now. Like, we have King Jack and Doug... Almost never has King Jack. Yeah. We have other King X's that are Kings up that Doug almost never has because he's betting those on the turn. I we think. have Jack's up that Doug doesn't have. Yes. We have Jack 8 off, which Doug doesn't have. We have Jack 6 and Jack Deuce suited, which Doug doesn't we have. We might be able to have po- sets of 8 6s and Deuces. Also, when it goes check, check, the King comes on the turn. We check again to let Doug bet. He doesn't, and now we bet the river small trying to get called by anything, and now he raises. Like, we can have all that stuff. So we can threaten very strong hands. I think our range is significantly stronger. Um, and as we know, it's very likely that Doug is raising thinner than we are traditionally used to these raising ranges being for value on the river. Right. Could be a king. Could be pocket aces. Yep. He's probably not raising queens, right? That's like getting a little too thin. He's probably betting aces on the turn, mostly trying to get called by a king. Yeah. Um, 
But yes, queens, I doubt he's raising queens, but queens and kings aren't that different except he blocks a king, yeah. which, which has got to help. He probably just calls with queens. I mean, I got to think this is very near the bottom of his thin value raising I range. assume that's true. Yeah. I assume he's never raising Ace Jack here, for example. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I think I agree against Doug that a three bet makes more sense. Against your normal recreational player, it's a call or a fold. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, because they're truly polarized. Never, never three betting. They're calling. They're yeah. They're, you're they're, you're you're not making any extra money in EV by raising here. You're just losing money. It's a negative EV event. So the fact that Josh does three bet makes me also think that he's a pro. Well, yeah, sure. That's yeah. different than how he looks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This feels like a, a pro play. Right. Does he have a good hand to do it with? Well, I is love it, that he has we a just jack. Pl- we're just playing against Doug, but is, so is a good a good enough combo to do it with? Well, what else would we want to go along with the jack that would make sense? Because having a jack feels like maybe the best card to do it with, actually. I like, think we'd like to have one of the better king kicker blockers in case Doug has king queen or ace king. Oh, if that's we interesting. A, a, so like queen jack is maybe a little yeah. better. That's fair. That's that's really fair. Um, but this is still feels like pretty high up as like a, a quality hand that also makes Doug's story less good, right? Yeah. We're blocking some of the obvious value that he might be able to have. Right. The... The GTO play of Jack Jack this way or King Jack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If he's checking back King Jack, which I guess he is probably a little bit on the turn. Yeah. And he absolutely has to re- block it. It's a beautiful thing. Jack eight also. Yep. Potential takes this line is Doug. Yep. So yeah, blocking all that is good. I mean, Doug's, Doug's repping Jacks. I mean, ultimately, as, as like strong value. Yeah. Right? And so like blocking that down to one combo is awesome. Yep. That is. Um, what are we repping? What's the bottom of what we're repping is, Josh? Jack eight. You don't think we can do Jack Deuce, Jack Six suited? They're kind of the same thing against Doug's range. They are kind of the same. It feels like it's. I don't know. I, I don't know if we should. Okay, we definitely are doing King uh, Kings up, right? We we feel like we have. Are we really three betting Kings up? Let's actually. We're three betting here. We're not just raising. We're, yeah. Like it's one thing to raise. It's a, this is the third. Bet yeah, now. but it's the second raise. If, this is more. If what Wonka thinks about ranges in Texas is true, but we have to get called. Yeah. So like. Is Doug going to call us with a one-pair hand if we three-bet? Now, in this case, we want him to fold it. But if we've got jack-eight, we have to get called by aces or ace-king or king-x. Do we think that's going to happen enough that it's worth raising? That's a question. Well, if... If the, if the answer is no, then this is not a significant blocker. Yeah. I'm afraid the answer might be no here. I mean, it it blocks Doug having a set of jacks, but it's not... We can have king-queen. We can have king-jack. That's the one hand we can have. You really... Yeah, I don't know, man. No? Why can't we have King Jack? I think we can have King Jack. I'm just wondering if it goes deeper. I'm wondering if he can have if Josh can have Jack 8. And do oh, this. you're wondering if you can add that, too. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, let's, before we do Jack 8, how about King 8? Is King 8 a good idea to 3-bet, or should we just call here against Doug? I don't know. I think if it were like a 7 or lower, it's probably a much better 3-bet than if when the Jack comes in and Doug could have a better 2-pair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, we're not blocking Jack-Jack anymore. No. Which feels like a big deal based yeah. on how this is. I don't see how we can raise anything that doesn't have a jack in it. Yeah. So now, so, so we're back to jack eight. Is, are we doing Because I think we should raise jack, king jack most of the time. Yeah. Um, again, believing we can get, we have to believe we can actually get called by worse, which is still a challenge based on how this hand has played out. Like, what is Doug supposed to have? Jack eight suited himself that can call us? I can't, is he going to call worse than jack eight suited? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we might find out. We might. Um, I mean, we're going to find out if he calls or not, or four bets. Of course. Um, um, I feel like King Jack is a clear one. I don't know if Jack 8 is a three bet. Like, traditionally, it's never a three bet, right? We would never three bet. Well, if Jack you're eight. right, it feels like we're repping a bit too thin of a range, yeah. and that kind of sucks. We are repping pretty thin. We might feel like if Doug's got thin enough value, which it turns out he does, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe we can just fold him out anyway. I don't know. Doug tries to play GTO, though. Let's find out. I have to to call with some things. Let's find out. Okay. How should Doug interpret this when he has King 7? Okay. Well, we block King Jack. That's great if we think King Jack is, like, maybe the bottom of the raising range. Sets can still be there. Yep. That's important to note. Um, Sets that are deciding they're not afraid of Jack-Jack, though, because they're not blocking a Jack. Yeah. I think against Doug, you probably have to go for the 3-bet with a set. Yeah, I think you do, too. If we, now that we see that Doug really is this thin, we just yeah. have to go for, for more value against with this set here. But it gets weird because we have to like three bet fold eights, which sucks. Yeah. Although, is Doug even going to? No, Doug would actually be able to four bet jacks if he wanted to because we have to have kings. And like, it's hard for us to have kings. I guess it's possible. Yeah. I don't know if Doug's going to put in a four bet actually or not with, with 
Jax. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't. Well, Doug's in the tank. He doesn't just fold, which, you know, I think most people are just going to fold. 100%. Almost everyone folds instantly. So what is leading Doug to to think that maybe he can not fold this hand? Okay. My my thoughts are, A, he blocks King Jack. That's awesome. Yeah. Maybe he blocks all kings up. Maybe he thinks it goes as deep as all kings up for for Josh's value. And having a king blocks that. That's nice. That's part one. Part two, he probably knows that Josh is capable of this kind of a play. Because if the guy's not capable, who cares, right? Yes. So Josh has the look of (laughs) a student. um, And is quite capable of this play. We see he's capable of this play, turning middle pair into a bluff mm-hmm. as a three bet on the river, not something we almost ever see in real life. Um, so that would be another thing. Knowing he, you have to actually know that, but like if, you know, if you've seen him do something like this before, you know he's got, he's got a lot of fanciness to him, that makes it easier to make a call. Yep. And then the other reason to call, if you're Doug, is that we're in Texas. And <laughs> people apparently lose their mind a little bit. Now, this level of losing your mind, like calling this three bet, feels like, wow, even, I think, in Texas. Um, but up until that point, I think it's not as crazy as it seems to the rest of us. Because apparently there's a lot of this kind of, you know, firing away. A lot of firing going on. A lot of raising. A lot of ego. Uh, well, I, I mean, Wonka's reporting from, like, the five, five games and stuff, right? I wonder if it's different at these states. That's true. Five five uh, like five ten probably yeah. as well, but yeah, that's true. This is definitely a much much bigger game. So it might not be the same culture surrounding the bigger games. It might not, but the fact that Doug goes into the tank makes me think maybe it is. Maybe the fact that he goes for the rate, the thin value raise on the river, thinking clearly doing it for value, trying to get called, yeah. and then hasn't folded yet, says like now maybe he just knows a lot about Josh, and that's all it is. But also, it might be the culture yep. play into it. So where does he fit in his distribution? Good question. With his hand. It's really I hard mean, to know. Fuck. Not very high. We block King Jack and we block Kings up. Yeah. But what's the worst hand we're raising with for value? It's always going to have at least a king in it or just be much stronger, right? I guess it's this is a better hand than aces to call with. That's true. And it's actually probably a better hand than if we somehow had Jack Eight. Yeah. Doug's Jack Eight suited, because we we'd rather block Kings up. Assuming than Jack's that up. we are under the impression that Josh is not three betting with Jack's up. Right. Yes. Right. We have to believe that. But I think that's reasonable. Yeah, I do too. Um, I don't even know if Josh is actually even three betting kings up in practice. But let's assume it. Let's assume. I mean, he probably has to be if he's going to three bet with Jack Nine. He should be, but has to be and should be are really different. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that he is just because he should be. Yeah. And then because if he's not, now we know we can if we can shrink his value range essentially do sets of eight sixes and deuces that don't lead the turn, which we don't really expect to do, and then bet tiny on the river, trying to induce a race so they can three-bet, but still get called. I mean, that, that feels like we can shrink that down a lot, and then we'd have to really strongly consider calling again. So then we kind of have to call with all of our thin value raises and, and just fold our bluffs, is what that ends up being. Um, if we think that's true. If and maybe we, thing and is we can right. fold aces, too. We can fold our bluffs and aces. Um, well, if we don't think kings up is part of this, then we... Should call with aces, oh, yeah. probably. But if, but if we think king's up is part of it, we should fold the aces. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've, I don't think I've ever been in a spot where I would consider no. doing these things, but Doug ends up calling. It's really wild. It's really something. How about Josh? To get called by that hand has got to be heartbreaking as Josh. Yeah, he's like, like, he's like I, I couldn't get that hand to it's fold. Like, that's like basically the next best hand than mine. And that's like, if you're not going to fold that, I can't beat anything, yeah. essentially, right? Like, I got... This is never. This was. This was doomed from the start. Even though, man, it's like you're targeting the right. Like he's in the right part of the range. You would think. Yeah. But uh, uh, uh. You didn't say the magic word, bro. Sorry. All right, hyphenator. One of our solvers has solved it up. One of the newer solvers. The newest solver. The of, latest of them allver. Nice. Yeah, that was really good. I know. All right, let's get to it. So much checking. How do you solve checking? I mean, you you. You do. You just see what the server wants to do. GTO Plus is what Hyphenator used. Okay. On the flop, Josh should check. Good job, Josh. Congratulations. Um, he had, you know, jack high. Doug should bet 45% of the time, so he did fine by checking back. Mm-hmm. All right. That was boring. Let's get to the turn. Josh should now bet 70% of the time, but he ended up checking on hmm. the turn. Uh, I guess just to rep anything, I suppose. I don't know. But so... Not not a huge mistake, but a, a little bit of a mistake. Uh, 
Doug did a really good job here. Hyphenator pointed out Doug should check 60% of the time with this hand, whereas King-9, which is one pip better, would be a check only 30% of the time. So Doug maybe is, is, knows exactly the line, perhaps, or maybe he just got lucky with it. Who knows? Hmm. But uh, Hyphenator also explained that basically King-3 is never a bet, up, right. and the bigger kings are all really yeah. definitely bets. This is something, yeah, so you can always have that top pair. Even if it's weak kickers, it gives you some top pairs in your checkback range. Let's so get to the, the juicy ones. stuff. Okay. Josh should bet small only 5% of the time on the river, which he did. He bet very small. So the solver doesn't like his sizing, mm -hmm. but does like a bet. He should bet almost always, but uh, the rest of the time, uh, just a bigger bet. So not a fan. Trying to get heroed by smaller pairs is Hyphenator's yep. thought there. Sure. Um, but when, when facing the small bet, Doug is supposed to raise his exact hand 100% of the time, which is not the common play that most players would make. You know? No, mostly like, eh, it's so hard to get called by a worse hand, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And uh, this was a bit of a surprising output to me. Josh is supposed to three-bet as a bluff 70% of the time with this hand. Wow. That yeah. is shocking. It really likes middle pair turning into a bluff here against wow. Doug's line. It's so hard for Doug to have a very strong hand here, you know, which is maybe why it likes the thing. But, of course, that means Doug has to go further down in his range to call because he doesn't have very many hands. Yeah. that make it the, Like, this is near the top of his range somehow. This freaking... King hand, King seven suited this freaking hand. King hand. This king hand of his. <laughs> Damn king hand. Uh, Doug messed up. He's supposed to fold 85% of the time. I guess he can call 15% with this hand. But Yeah, first of all, uh, as always, the messed up thing is not really reasonable. No, of right? course to not. To be clear, just, just for newer listeners, or if Doug himself, who has watched our videos in the past long ago, um, we understand this is just what the GTO wants you to do against another computer, and it seems clear Josh probably isn't a computer. No, Doug failed. <laughs> it's awful. It's a huge mistake. But the other thing is, of course, he's supposed to call it 15% of the yeah. time, and maybe this is that 15%. He's probably got a random number generator working some way or another anyway, as yeah. the greats do. I don't know. We all, all the greats. All the greats yeah. have those RNGs yep. working all the time to see when should I be folding. He just knows roughly what the thing is. He, he rolls it and sees what it is and uh, acts accordingly, and it bro. It worked out well for him this time. It sure did. Feels good when something like that works, man. What a, what a joy. What a joy. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it home.